With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello again, everybody, and it's time for the Mainland Podcast. Welcome back for episode number 103, I believe it is, this week. Uh, we are uh, we're here. We're still here. We didn't blow away in uh, in Hurricane Irma. And uh, uh, joining, uh, I'm Michael Citro, the managing editor of the Mainland. I I uh, would like to welcome in uh, David Rowe, a man who uh, is uh, was was not thinking that the hurricane was originally headed his way, and then it turned out it was. Dave, how did you make out? Uh, you know what? I'm one of the lucky ones. I, not only did I not lose power, I didn't lose internet either. So it was, uh, basically it was a free day off for me. Um, it, yeah, it was, uh, it, it kept going west and west and west. And, uh, we were getting a little bit more worried, uh, with all of that. Fortunately, the eye stayed to the east of us. And as I'm sure our listeners know, if you're going to be on one side of the hurricane, be on the west side of it. So, um, not so bad here. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Herm- Hermine from last year was was worse than what we got from from Irma. So very very lucky up here. That's right. You're up in the Tallahassee area, and uh, those of us down here in Central Florida got hit pretty good. Although I have to say, uh, amazingly, uh, Mainland Towers stood tall during the uh, during the hurricane. Um, we were kind of in a a unique spot because we were. Um, although the it was a little concerning to me because the eye was jogging east there in the last couple of updates before it, it hit um and you know you don't want to be right on the east side of that wall that eye wall mm-hmm. uh but we were between the worst of the eye wall stuff and the this those squalls that were screaming in off the coast those really bad ones that were causing mm-hmm. tornadoes and issues like that we kind of fell right in between in that sweet spot and we kind of got lucky that way we had uh we had one power flick uh, off and then right back on immediately at 2.30 in the morning, Monday morning, uh, and that was it. I mean, I barely – this is the crazy part because I, on a nice sunny day, if a rainstorm hits uh, or just a normal rain shower hits, I usually lose my DirecTV. I barely lost my <laughs> DirecTV on Sunday night. Um, wow. It went out a few times, and I allowed my – uh, you know, in early in the evening before the, the, the eye got really close, we, we allowed our – our daughter to stay up late and, and watch some DVDs because the, it, it had gone out. But uh, essentially, I watched uh, the weather mostly all night. When we I threw my we threw a mattress in the middle of the living room because we have a little townhouse and it's uh, you know most of the bedrooms have windows right next to the beds and so uh, I didn't board them up or anything. So we threw a mattress in the middle of the living room and we just kind of made it had a make, makeshift. Uh, camping night i threw on a scott van pelt show because my i knew my kid wouldn't try to watch that and she fell asleep instantly and uh (laughs) but i i stayed up pretty late into the night because i'm i'm one of those uh, worried vigilant types that just like i need to be awake in case some you know in case action has to happen like immediately like if i have to get everybody up and get them into an interior closet or whatever i need to be awake so right um so that honestly that was my role my my biggest problem, uh, and and longtime listeners will have, will know my cat, 
who has occasionally spoken up on the on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an indoor outdoor cat, and he did not like being kept inside. And I tried to tell him that it was a hurricane, mm-hmm. but he didn't care. Yeah, so that that was the biggest issue. For that's me. the thing about cats; they just they don't care. They do their thing, and you know, we had um, ours were acting okay. They were a little little concerned with some of the you know the the you know whenever you mess with the environment their habitat they they kind of have a curiosity about what's going on to get a little freaked out a little bit but uh, like Mm -hmm. throwing the mattress down in the middle of the living room was a big source of curiosity for them but um (laughs) yeah it, it was it went pretty good i I will say, you know, we have at the mainland, we have a lot of our writers, our staff writers are are either without power or without water or without Internet um, or in one case, all three. So um, we're definitely, uh, you know, pulling for them. Um, uh, Also, some without cell service. So Mm -hmm. we're we're pulling for them to get back to normal. And and we at the mainland are are trying to maintain as normal a schedule as we can. There may not be as many feature stories as there usually are uh, as, as, you know, guys uh, come up in the rotation that are, um, you know, not able to submit stories or, or do any internet research or whatever. And then some, some of us will try to pick up the slack or we'll try to trade things as we can, but obviously it's, it's a, it's a kind of a shell game right now. So we're, we're trying to make sure everybody has a chance to get up and running. Um, I've be, I guess I, you know, I said I was lucky cause I, I didn't lose power or any of that stuff, but in some ways, you know, now I'm doing like three times as much as I normally do <laughs> trying to make up for the, some of the, the differences and, and find trade partners for people that are, are not sure when they're getting their power back and that kind of thing. But, um, I want to let everybody know that our staff is, uh, is all okay. Everybody made it through the storm. Uh, just fine. Even Sean, who was in, in Melbourne, which got, you know, a lot of storm surge and a lot of, um, you know, they had tornadoes in that area and a lot of wind damage. Uh, but Sean actually has power. And uh, I think he's <laughs> he's one of the ones that doesn't have Internet, but he's got power. So, um, you know, we ho- hopefully everybody will be up and running soon. But everybody uh, involved with our site and this podcast, everybody's OK. And that's the most important thing. So, um, you know, we're we're happy about that. We we made it through. Irma and um, here we are for episode 103. And we, it, I guess the best part, Dave, is we get to talk about a victory for our Lions. And how many, how many people weren't paying attention because they were worried about the hurricane coming? That's that's the the funny part. But yes, we get to talk about a win, and uh, and I actually got to watch it which was also fantastic cuz uh you know you, you you weren't sure what was going to what was going to be going on as far as you know when things were going to hit and all that and uh so you know having having a internet having tv and being able to watch a win well that was just that was absolutely fantastic yeah we were getting a lot of rain even saturday night in preparation ahead of the storm we were getting mm-hmm. quite a bit of rain here so yeah i was constantly concerned that my uh my feed was going to go out for direct tv and it actually um, there were a few glitches, but from, for the most part, it, it stayed strong, and I got to watch the game, which was great. So uh, Orlando City goes out to D.C. to play United, a team that had won three games in a row and had allowed zero goals in any of them and had only allowed one goal in five games. So you figure a team that can't score goals is going to have trouble against a team that's in really good defensive form. And uh, lo and behold, before you know what's going on, uh, Kyle Aaron's got a goal what, about 19 minutes in. 
Yeah, that was, uh, and I believe it was one, um, let me look at the name, Dom Dwyer, uh, that uh, <laughs> got the assist on that. Uh, so, which um, made it all the better, although, you know, we all want Dom to open his account here really soon, but uh, but he did at least get the, the assist, and um, uh, you, f- you felt way better after that, that goal went in, after that first goal, because, um, you know, lately it seems like they're not, the goals aren't coming no matter what we do. And it didn't, it wasn't hit right at the keeper. It didn't hit the woodwork, <laughs> you know, none of the things that we're used to uh, over the last two months happened. And, and the, the ball simply was, uh, was crossed in beautifully and put in uh, by, you know, one of our top scorers. And that's, that, that's exactly how that's supposed to work. Yeah. It's good to see Kyle get back on the score sheet. Dom did a good job of getting forward. It was a weird ball. It was kind of a long ball forward that skipped backward off the head of a DC player and just, you know, bounced right to, Dom and Dom just uh, had to take it up the left side, had a defender to deal with, couldn't round him, but he, he could get enough space to cross that ball in. And uh, just basically Kyle did what he does and he ran right onto the cross and just uh, got mm-hmm. a touch on it just enough to put it in the inside the back post and, and left Bill Hamid uh, no chance. And, um, you know, that started things off. You thought, mm, well, that's at least a better start than what we were used to uh, in recent <laughs> games. And then uh, before you knew it, it was 2 0. As uh, Giles Barnes uh, got uh, got the uh, nice bounce, uh, Scott Sutter got forward, got a, a cross into the box. It uh, uh, took a deflection, went off a defender, and bounced perfectly right to uh, Giles Barnes, who just put it into the net. And uh, that is two of his three goals this year are against Bill Hamid. So Giles Barnes made it 2-0. Yeah, and, uh, you know, of course, the interesting thing was uh, uh, Giles uh, starting in um, – at the 10 spot in, in uh, place of, of Kaka, which is a, you know, a bit of a story on its own, but um, uh, he, Giles played an excellent match. Um, he was, had a lot of key passes. He was, he was all over the place uh, in, in, including, um, you know, getting that goal. So um, it, it was, it was nice to see, gosh, it was just nice to see offense between, you know, he and Laren and, and Dom and, uh, and, Yoshi. Um, so, I mean, there was just, um, it, it, it felt, it definitely felt different than what we've been used to recently. Yeah. Yoshimar Yutun uh, deserves a heck of a mention here for, especially his first half performance was very dangerous. Uh, not only in, in passing the ball, he had a shot that went just over. He had, uh, a couple of set pieces that really, I mean, it could have been two nil in the first five minutes. He put, mm-hmm. he put one right on, on Tommy Redding that he could have finished. And he put one right just about it. I think an inch off of where Seb Hines could put it in with his head. So, I mean, he, he had two really kick, you know, killer crosses early in the game and was, he was a factor uh, again, a lot of touches. The guy had, um, I'm not even sure if he had a full training session coming back from uh, international duty uh, from Peru. Um, uh, and uh, he he's had a really solid game. And it went 2-0 to the break, Dave, and then they came out. D.C. had a little bit different plan. They were very uh, aggressive in, in applying pressure. They took away options, uh, and it seemed like Orlando got pinned in again, uh, like mm-hmm. we've seen happen this year. We've seen them uh, at times have trouble clearing their lines accurately. They just kind of play kickball and then send it anywhere, and then all of a sudden you know, you're defending for a full half an hour because you're not connecting passes and keeping any possession. And it got worse when Christian Aguida got hurt and uh, had to come off. Uh, Servando Carrasco came in for him. That was another storyline. Um, 
as uh, Carrasco it throughout the second half. He gets a yellow card for time wasting when I'm not really sure he really was the waster of the time. He just basically deferred the, a free kick and <laughs> it was mm-hmm. him getting the yellow card. Uh, and then, um, you know, he gets the second yellow card and, and much, you know, much deserved for, you know, very, uh, very harsh challenge coming in uh, and uh, and got the second yellow and got sent off. And that really made things difficult for the Lions at that point. Well, it did indeed. And then, uh, you know, the, the second card was was well deserved. That was that was not a good foul. I mean, we've we've talked about, uh, you know, uh, defensive midfielders and, and what's a good foul and what's a not a good foul. And that was not a good foul. Um, right. I agree that, you know, maybe the first uh, yellow was uh that, that one kind of surprised me a little bit, but um, uh, it, regardless, you know, he goes off, we're playing with 10 um, and, you know, protecting a, a, a one goal lead, which, um, you know, generally speaking, uh, uh, has not been a, a, a forte of uh, the team recently. So um, certainly was getting a little bit more worried at that point, especially like you say, cause they hadn't, um, had much possession in that second half. Uh, DC obviously had a, some, nice halftime adjustments made. Um, and it was, it was definitely making a difference. Um, so fortunately, uh, you know, it didn't bite us <laughs> then, but, uh, but wait, gonna, there's oh, more, there's as, more. They, as they say on the commercials, uh, the infomercials, but wait, there's more. Uh, so gets late in the game. DC, it just seems like is a matter of time before they score. And the next thing, you know, Orlando city is two men down, Dave. Um, Seb Hines gets sent off. He's basically mauled by Lloyd Sam and pushes him off of him and gets the red card and Sam gets the yellow card. Again, one of those decisions you could really only have if you're Orlando City. You could really not have – that's not ever happening to Atlanta. They're not having a guy, you know, be held and just trying to push the guy off you because no call is being made and then – you know, that person gets the red card. It's not, it's not happened to New York City's. It's not happened to your Toronto's. It's the only kind of thing that happens to Orlando. Yeah. And, uh, you know, poor Seb, because like you say, I mean, he's just he's he's trying to get the guy off of him. And 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 to get the straight red like that, I was uh, my jaw dropped. Um, you know, I had guests over watching the game with me and I would I my eyes were probably as big as saucers. I, I couldn't. You know, I, I understood there being a you know foul, and I would have you know if they'd gone uh, yellow both ways, it, it would have made plenty of sense to me. But uh, yeah. the straight red, you know, that was I was I was blown away. And of course, you know, then you're doing the math in your head, and you're like, okay, we're down to nine now. <laughs> and worse, the ref didn't seem to want to end the game. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, it became a two-one game with a, a, a ball into Opare who. You know, he's probably not going to be forward very much if it's 11 v. 11. Uh, he gets forward there. Uh, Giles Barnes did what he could, but couldn't. Uh, it didn't quite make the defensive stop. And, and, and you know, Giles would be the first to say he should have uh, he should have been able to knock Opare off the ball. He should have done more, mm-hmm. got inside him, whatever. Uh, I think Giles did make a number of good defensive plays on the night, but he was not able to make that one. Opare slots home, makes it 2-1, and now it's white knuckle time for whatever's left of, of regulation and, and, and stoppage time. And, you know, cause he scores in the 89th minute and, yep. you know, and they put up a six, six minutes of stoppage time and then it's seven and then it's eight and then it's nine. And you're thinking, when the hell is enough enough? For, you know, when is enough going to be enough for you? And eventually after like 
32 more set pieces, yeah. uh, eventually he, do, he did blow the whistle and said, okay, all right, even, this is even getting too much for me now. I've got to end this game uh, after 732 minutes of stoppage. Uh, but Orlando City, you know, for being down two men and having to withstand, what, 10, 11 uh, minutes of stoppage time? Thank um, God. They, they, to their credit, the Lions got it done. And this is not a, it's not a confident team. It's a fragile team. It's not a team that has, uh, you know, had to protect many leads. And when they have had them, they have not protected them in the last couple of months. And, you know, good to them for, you know, good on them for being able to do that. Yeah, especially, uh, you know, when you consider the, the pieces that are missing on the defense. Um, so, you know, to be able to, uh, to, get that win and uh, defend that lead. Yeah, it was, um, uh, you know, you're, you're sweating bullets watching that game at the end there and, and yelling at the, I know I was yelling at the ref <laughs> to be like, you know, seriously, come on. I mean, you know, like I'm looking at my watch ref. What are you looking at? Um, he did his, he did his darn best to give them every chance to, to steal back a point. <laughs> and uh, fortunately they were unable to, but um, yeah, it was, it was a, uh, um, you know, right now any win is an impressive win after you know not having one for so long. So, um, and I and I think that they, especially in the first half, they they did a lot of things uh, as a team really well, um, and and finally looked a little bit more dangerous uh, in the attack, which is um, something that we've been hoping to see. So, um, definitely some uh, good things to take away from that game, and and hopefully um, you know figure out something that they can uh, use going forward. Yeah, it was uh, from, from the seventh minute of stoppage on. I was just every clearance. I was like, blow the whistle. Right. Every clear, you know, another clearance, blow the whistle. It's a corner kick. Corner kicks cleared, blow the whistle. And he just kept going and going. It was like, it, it really was ridiculous. I mean, we watched that Vancouver game a couple weeks ago. And Vancouver wasted time in in extreme amounts. Yep. And, you know, he wasn't, that ref wasn't booking people. He wasn't adding time on. I think he added like 30 seconds for all of the time wasting in, in stoppage. I think he, he really didn't add much at all. And, no. uh, and then you have this guy who added in like basically another five <laughs> minutes on, on top of an already six minutes of stoppage. So um, it, it just goes to show you that it was, it was a complete full game effort from the lions. And this is the kind of thing, Dave, that I point to when I get commenters or people on Twitter saying that the team has, you know, that Jason Christ has lost the locker room. They've quit on him. I point to this kind of a performance, and I say they, they're they not quitting on this coach because no. a team that would hold on to that lead, given all the adversity that, you know, that the team was undergoing, that's not a team that's quit on its coach. That's not a team that's had enough and doesn't care. This team, um, they played – listen, we didn't sugarcoat it. They played terribly at New England. They definitely looked disinterested. But if you go back the two games before that against Vancouver and Columbus – they did look like they were putting an effort. They did look like they gave a crap. They did care. And they were playing for each other and for their coach. So, you know, Jason Christ has not lost this team. And I think considering their record, that says a lot about him as a coach, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, I, I, the whole hashtag Christ out thing just uh, is upsetting to me. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, we've, we've talked about, you know, last week we talked about, you know, how long he should get um, just from a – um, you know, building a team point of view, but mm -hmm. the idea that, like you say, the idea that the the players aren't playing for him or for each other is, is ludicrous. Um, they, 
you can see you can see the energy, especially with um, even some of the new guys. I mean, you know, Dom obviously his heart is purple, and uh, Yoshi has been you know a real revelation. Um, so, and then you know, even guys uh, who have been there for a long time, you know, Higita has been playing. You know, until he got hurt, he was been playing some of the best uh, soccer that he has uh, in the last couple games. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't see where they're not trying New England game aside. Um, they, uh, and every, they, every team has flat games like that. Every sure. team has flat games like that. Uh, all you gotta do is go back to this past weekend and look how Dallas played in Atlanta. Um, just really got blown off the pitch and it, it was a three nil game that could have been five or six nil. So, um, this is definitely a team that has has respect still for its coach that is still interested in what he's got to say and is still willing to put forth the effort. There's just been a – it's just a little off, Dave. It's just a little bit off. And whether that is just a few more uh, personnel changes that need to be made or uh, just a little bit more sharpness, I don't know what it is. And clearly the team is still trying to find that magic formula, but – you know, I've said this all along. You're going to give this coach another transfer window and you're going to give him into next season. And if we get to next year's all-star break and the team isn't vastly improved, then I think you could start talking about, well, uh, a coaching change needs to be made. Then I think it will be uh, a fair thing to, to discuss. I don't think it's uh, something that you, I, I just think it's way too much impatience to start discussing a, a coaching change now because you're resetting. If every time you hit the reset button, you're starting from scratch every single time. And some people may be better off starting from scratch than others, you know. Um, but you know, even if even if like let's say uh, they traded some draft picks and threw a whole bunch of money at Atlanta and brought Tata Martinez over here, even he would probably not have results right away. Right. So uh, as, as well as he's done in Atlanta and the same thing with Patrick Vera or any of these guys. Uh, and I'm hearing people wanting Louis Van Hall to come in here. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, why is Orlando scoring too many goals for you people? You need <laughs> Louis Van Hall to come in here and put a stop to that. Uh, I don't get it. I just don't get that. Um, I, I am on the patience bandwagon uh, until, like I said, next all-star game. If, if, if things are still not good by next summer, um, then I think you got to make the move, but I don't think you make it at this point. I think you're when you hire someone and they say it's going to take X amount of time to fix this, you've got to give them at least close to that X amount of time. Yeah. And if you don't, you're you. Why did you hire them to begin with? They told you how long it was going to take. Uh, and it goes back to Adrian Heath. He said it's going to take three years In a year and a half. They said, ah, you're done. So you didn't give him three years. He told you right up front. It's going to take three years. Uh, it, to me, that's, that's just crazy. It's, um, I get why people are impatient. I get that sometimes it's a PR move, but it's uh, you're putting a Band-Aid on things. I just don't think it's the it's a it's not it's a short-term view. It's not a long-term view, and um, you well, know, like you, you have to get through those growing pains and get on with things. But stability is important for any, I mean, any sports organization. Well, of course, and like you said, I mean, it's it's just a little bit off it's not you know this is not a completely and totally broken you know system or team or anything i mean you know whether it's additional pieces i and i think that's one thing that uh, uh jason christ has done a good job in is getting 
um, pieces in that are, are helping. Um, I, you know, I've uh, more often than not his, uh, you know, the people he brings, brings in are, are hits, not misses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but it's just that little bit off. And I actually, I was, I was wondering, can we use a little bit of uh, either GAM or TAM uh, to, um, to pay the woodwork for uh, a little bit better? So it, it, it plays better <laughs> for us because right now it's just, it's not doing a good job for us. Yeah, there have been far fewer uh, goals in off the post and, and saves against uh, Orlando City opponents uh, than there have been the other way around. It's uh, Orlando does seem to hit the the woodwork a lot, but I think that's just that little bit extra sharpness that they that the team mm-hmm. needs. But uh, but anyway, it's a win. It keeps the team out of last place in the East, <laughs> and it really kind of um, until Sunday's results came in, it almost made you think, wow, this is actually not completely out of hand still because had Atlanta lost to Dallas, it would have been uh, basically a huge game Saturday. Not, not that it's not a huge game Saturday anyway against Atlanta, but it would have been even bigger because then you're going, wow, you look at the points and they're not really that far apart. And now they're right. five, now they're five points apart, but had they lost that game, it's two points difference and they could jump over them. So it's, you know, uh, Montreal lost, um, which kept new England a point ahead, but, you kind of need Montreal to lose in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, you know, cause you look at it this way, Orlando city doesn't play Montreal again, but they do play new England. They do play Atlanta. There's still quite a bit that Orlando city could control if it can start, you know, putting together a few wins. Now, again, that's not something that we've seen them capable of doing, but now that they got one, who's to say, I mean, Stranger things have happened, Dave. Stranger things have happened. So I'm not uh, saying this team is making the playoffs, but I am saying that I still believe that there's a chance. And even if it's a small chance, and even if you're going to get the Dumb and Dumber reference out, um, I still think... Well, now I I can't. I think it's... See, I've always thought of it this way. People are like, oh, it's a 1% chance or 5% chance. There's very little chance because 538 says so, or MLS metrics say so. But I grew up watching and playing baseball, and I look at it and I go, yeah, we're two games out with seven games to play. This is doable. That's the right. way I see it, you know. No, I agree with you, and that's that's. Uh, I I look at the the standings and I, I look at that, uh, you know, total points uh, or like you said, two games out, you know, a couple points out, whatever. I, I look at it exactly the same way. So, um, and uh, well, I guess I can't do the uh, the Dumb and Dumber reference now. Now that you well, brought no. it up, no. Well, but that's, that was all part of my master plan. You, you did have a master plan there. I am devious that way. So, uh, good. Lions win. We're happy. And uh, nobody got their Papa John's because Papa John's was closed on Sunday because of the storm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I never get the Papa John's. For some reason, the Tallahassee Papa John's, they don't want to honor it. No, they don't. They, they don't want to honor that stuff. Um, I wonder if you can get the Atlanta United discount. Uh, up in your way or if that's too far you know what? from it's, Atlanta. It's, nah, I'm, I'm about equidistance between the two. <laughs> All right, so Dave, OCB went into Thursday's doubleheader against the Wait Richmond Wait a minute. Kickers. You forgot something. Uh, yeah, you're right. we got to do a man of the match, don't we? Yes, we do. All right, so since you reminded me, you obviously have somebody you're just dying to, to name. So go ahead and give me your man of the match for DC United. Well, it was close originally between uh, Giles uh, and Yoshi, but I'm going to have to give the, the nod to Yoshi just because of, um, well, obviously his play and then that that wicked shot from distance um in the 34th and uh you know he 
he played exceptional, especially for somebody who is, like you said, hasn't had a bunch of training time, hasn't been with the team that long, and he's making a big difference um, all over the field. So, um, and especially in that game. So, uh, for me, uh, Yotun gets man of the match. Yeah, I thought um, I thought Giles Barnes was very good in that game. I thought that Dom was very good in that game. And uh, here's the thing that I've been telling people all year is that you haven't seen a healthy Seb Hines. And I thought Seb Hines played quite well on uh, on fr- uh, Saturday at DC United. Of course, he did get sent off, and people are going to point to that and say he shouldn't have done what he did. And uh, I mean, I the reason that Seb Hines st- stayed on the field so long is because he wanted the the video assistant referee to look at that and say it was it was a mistake and he shouldn't have been sent off um right. he did he did not think that he was really sent off in that mo- because it was ludicrous um and yet he did get the the red card he got sent off so a lot of people are going to you know point to that the, the seb haters are are implacable you know you're you're not going to you're not going to change their minds but i thought he played a very good game i thought that if you had leo pereira in there uh, the way he had been playing, um, I think the outcome is very different. So I, I, if you look at it from that perspective, uh, a pretty good game by him. I thought Tommy played a, a very um, improved game over what we've seen the last couple games from him. And I, I, I can tell you this, that, that Tommy does like to play with Seb because he, he Seb communicates well with him. Uh, mm-hmm. Seb is one of the players that has worked uh, with Tommy and done extra work and taken him under his wing and, and tried to, um, you know, mentor him a bit. And as some of the veteran uh, center backs that this team has had over the last three years have not done. So I know that um, that Tommy likes to play with Seb. And, and I think the partnership was a pretty good one. And it's unfortunate that that stupid red card is uh, is going to uh, to keep that from happening this week. Although we might be getting specs back because he was on the bench on uh, Saturday. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think an, it, this has all been a very long way of saying, yes, I agree with you that Yoshimari Otun <laughs> was, uh, was my man of the match. I thought that he was very, very good early on. I think he was the best player on the pitch for either team, uh, for about the first half hour. And, uh, I think that he did show some fatigue down the stretch from his, uh, his busy international week and travel, international travel and all that. So, um, he did fade from the game a bit, but I thought that, uh, he was, uh, certainly deserving a man of the match honors so there you go so now dave can we pivot to ocb yes now we okay. can pivot to ocb so i don't want to even talk about this match much because it was just ridiculous but ocb against <laughs> the richmond kickers going for 13 straight at home and you think lowly richmond kickers haven't got many wins it's at ocb this should work out for 13 straight and no ocb lost two nil and uh, really didn't do much of anything. Anthony Pulis said it was maybe the worst the team's played in two years. Um, Haji Berry had some chances in the first half and didn't put them away. And uh, there was uh, obviously no Pierre Da Silva. He was suspended for the game for, um, you know, by the disciplinary committee for the US, USL. Uh, decided that his yellow card the previous game was worse than a yellow card. Um, so he was out. And uh, it just wasn't a good... Uh, match for the young lions who basically played in front of no one. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I showed up at the stadium to cover the, the pride match, the second half of the doubleheader, And I was just shocked at how there was just nobody in the seats. And, and, you know, it's not that they draw well, typically, 
But I think because of the hurricane coming and people wanting to make preparations for that and all the things that people had to do and the fact that it was moved to a 4.30 start on a weekday, um, you know, many people still had to work. Uh, it really was um, no atmosphere at all. And that had to help the visitors some. Well, and it, it, that's something that's – there was a hurricane coming. Yeah. You know, it's it's not surprising. You know, the 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 earlier start time, a hurricane. There were a lot of things that were going against there being anybody in the stands there. Um, of course, I'm sure that that did help the visitors. Of course, Earl Edwards Jr. also was not uh, between the sticks uh, for OCB as he was um, up backing up um, Joe Bendick. Um, I'm sure that doesn't help. Um, you know, Jake uh, Finlayson doesn't. Uh, have quite the quality of, of Earl Edwards Jr. So there were a lot of things that were uh, going against it. But like you said, you still were thinking, hey, you know, the way they've been playing um, this and, and Richmond is, you know, not top of the table by any means. So, you know, perhaps this was going to be 13, but uh, uh, I certainly don't believe in it. But 13 was not lucky. And um, uh, even even more so, I, I think that um, – it was just uh, a, a whole bunch of things coming together, um, you know, with Pierre de Silva out, um, Earl out, and or with the MLS squad, um, that just kind of went against uh, OCB. The the thing that I'm, and I also don't believe this, but uh, you know, OCB loses and Orlando City wins, and during the 12 game streak. Uh, Orlando City didn't win, so it's. Uh, I hope it's not some sort of <laughs> weird cosmic, you know, uh, a Freaky Friday thing where uh, if uh, Orlando City wins, then OCB can't, and vice versa, because that just that would be really, really bad. Well, here's something for the conspiracy theorists. Uh, OCB communications dude Lucas Casas traveled with the MLS team this weekend. Wait a minute! Didn't somebody on this podcast, not me, say that that's what should happen? <laughs> Lucas is the magic man. <laughs> He's with OCB, and they go on a big, long winning streak. He goes to uh, to DC with the MLS squad, and they win. So, uh, good job. I, I think I'm, I think it's all Lucas. I think uh, it's the Lucas factor. Um, anyway, uh, so OCB streak is over. Um, definitely uh, going to need to turn some things. Uh, around here in the next few games, Pierre back will help. Uh, it was certainly a case of OCB not being good in the in the final third against Richmond, and you know certainly a guy like um, Pierre de Silva helps with that kind of quality, helps mm-hmm. with the service, gets uh, some shots of his own, it helps with the set pieces. So he makes other players better, and that's what you need. And and they didn't have that little extra uh, extra bit. They gave up a goal on a free kick. Um, you know, not not a great. Uh, not a great performance. Anthony Peel is not happy, but uh, the Young Lions, they'll bounce back. They'll be okay. Uh, the Pride closed the doubleheader against the Seattle Reign, and uh, man, for the top two scoring teams, Dave, in the entire NWSL, no goals through <laughs> through normal time. They made it to 90 minutes without a single goal between the two uh, teams. Um, Orlando was the more aggressive team had the better chances, had more chances, more shots on goal. Um, just couldn't seem to find that final uh, bit of quality on a lot of those shots. They had uh, missed the net more often than they normally do. Um, 
Seattle, for their part, I will give them a lot of credit. That was the I, I've seen several of their games this year. That's the best defensive performance I've seen from the rain all year. And even though they gave up uh, 20 shots, uh, they did block about six of those shots. So mm-hmm. uh, they were able to get into some lanes. They were able to get in front of some shooters. Um, you know, there was a, a little bit of a lack sometimes of some quality or, or uh, some. Um, I won't say communication, but I will say reading the game. There was a, an instance where uh, Chi Abogagu, in fact, it was the last thing she did before she was subbed out, uh, had an opportunity to play um, to play Alex Morgan in and decided instead she would take the ball around the, the left side herself. Uh, and her cross was cut out for a uh, corner kick. But had she just been a little bit more alert and, and slotted her pass in, she could have uh, she could have sent Alex in all alone 1v1 on the keeper, which I like the odds there. Uh, but it didn't happen. She gets subbed out, and uh, Jasmine Spencer returned from her injury. She got on the field um, over t- uh, in extra time, I should say, stoppage time. Uh, they come out, and um, there's a, a loose ball midfield. Pride win it. Danny Weatherholt with a fantastic ball to set uh, Alex Morgan in in the 92nd minute, and she scores back post. Uh, perfect placed shot, mm-hmm. and you're thinking the Pride are in the playoffs. This is awesome. Uh, unfortunately, no, because uh, 30 seconds after the restart, uh, there's a, a free uh, cross from the right side, uh, and uh, Jess Fishlock got her head on it and uh, post uh, put it in the net. And in the 94th minute, the rain get the equalizing goal and keep the pride from clinching. And uh, that could be big, Dave, because Orlando has a home date with Portland, the second-place team in the league, uh, on, a, on a day when... The Brazilians and Australians are going to be awfully tired from flying back from Oz. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they have to go to first place, North Carolina. Now, the only good thing about that is there's some potential there for North Carolina to rest some players uh, if they've locked up that uh, they've already locked up a, a home field uh, uh, match in the first game. So uh, there's some potential for maybe uh, North Carolina and also Portland, which clinched second place at least. Uh, there's a chance for one of those two teams to maybe not play their their best lineup and, and give some players some rest. So uh, a very difficult road ahead for the Pride with two games left to to get one more point to sneak into the playoffs. I think two will clinch it for sure. I think one would unless they get blown out and Seattle blows out their opponents to uh, to somehow overcome the, uh, the goal differential. But uh, I think basically one more point would do it for the Pride. And uh, it's a tougher road now. Although Sky Blue lost to Spirit. So Sky Blue is eliminated. So Seattle is literally the only other team um, that can that can jump into that top four that's currently not out. And, uh, of course, the Chicago Red Stars and the Pride will be battling for that third spot. You know, it was uh, an incredibly frustrating game because, it, you know, like I said, 20 shots. I mean, you're, you're thinking certainly the way that this team has been playing, something's going to go in. Uh, and it doesn't, and it doesn't, and it doesn't. And then finally, Alex gets the goal in stoppage, and you had all of 30 seconds to celebrate before it all came <laughs> crashing back down. I think I'd, I'd, I'd watched the goal. I'd celebrated. I'd got up. I went into the kitchen, which is right next to my living room, and I can still see the TV. I went in there to get something, and as I turned around, they scored that goal, and I was just I, – I, I couldn't believe it. I was just – you know, I went back, sat down. I was like, oh, well, that sucked. 
Um, <laughs> I can't believe you got up either, Dave, because it's your fault clearly that that happened. Yes, obviously, obviously my fault. Uh, I will take the blame on that. Uh, send your hate mail to uh, Dave at the mainland. Um, <laughs> but uh, so tougher road. I, I still. I still feel pretty good about um, their chances to to get that point. Um, you know, even even going up against the the teams you're going against. I mean, the right now they're playing just as good as anybody else um, mm-hmm. in the league. And you know, I, I I would it would surprise me more than not if they weren't able to to grab a point someplace. So uh, I. I you know, I've been on the, the pride bandwagon for you know quite a while, and I'm, I'm not jumping off now. I, I still think that they get it done. Yeah, now Seattle has a home game against FC Kansas City. That shouldn't be a big problem for them. Um, so that's that's one of their remaining games. And um, it, it's uh, a much easier, I would say, an easier road for Seattle than, than Orlando. But Seattle has to get max points, and Orlando can basically just get one more point and be fine. So a draw anywhere along the line in these last two games will, will do it or a Seattle uh, non-win. So mm-hmm. um, if maybe we can get some uh, help, won't even need to win either of those games. But uh, <laughs> it would certainly be nice to just get it over with, get the first win ever against the Portland Thorns in pride history. Uh, they've done a lot of other firsts this year. So, you know, a first win over the Thorns would be great. And how great would it be in case you have to play the Thorns in the first round uh, if you, you know, come in with some confidence because you've just beaten them? Oh, absolutely. And, and and all the lessons that you would take from, you know, that match and, and what worked, what didn't. Um, you know, there's there's only so much, uh, uh, you know, changes that uh, any team can make at this point in the season. So, um, you know, if you can get that figured out, get that win, then um, that – you know, the confidence alone, you know, going into a, uh, a playoff game is, is going to be huge, let alone, like I said, whatever tactically you learn. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty sure that the pride is going to have to earn a point somewhere because, you know, like I said, Seattle hosts FC Kansas City. That's a long trip. Um, FC Kansas City, not much left for them to play for. And uh, also the last game for the for Seattle at Washington. So uh, Washington, is, I, I think they have maybe four players left. From starting line. But at least as long as one of them is Mallory Pugh, there's a chance there's a chance there, Dave, for uh, for the upset. But uh, yes, it, it does, I wouldn't expect Seattle to, to drop any points. So really, it's it's the pressure is all on on the pride and on Tom Sermani. Uh, he was not happy with the finishing on uh, Thursday night. He wasn't happy with the, um, you know, the, the lack of quality in the final third. He thinks maybe the pressure uh, got a little bit to them. He did say it felt like a playoff game. I think that that bared out, uh, that was borne out mm-hmm. in the score. Uh, the fact that neither team could score for 90 min- 92 minutes, uh, I think that was it made it look like, you know, it was there was a lot of intensity to it. Uh, kudos to Seattle. Every time Marta got the ball, there were three or four players around her uh, forcing her back. So they, they really did a good job of choking off service from her. Um and she still made a just a number oh. of mind-boggling plays in that game, uh, where she would somehow come out of a pack of four players, or she would she would put just the right amount of touch and spin on a ball to curve it mm-hmm. and, and switch it and and send somebody up the the flank. Uh, she's really been a treat to watch this year, and uh, hopefully they'll like I said go out take care of business at home against Portland uh, on September 23, I believe that one is. So. Uh, and I think that's a lifetime game of the week. So that's, uh, I mean, they don't get any bigger than that. If Orlando Pride can get one more draw 
out of this season. And by the way, they're on a six game unbeaten streak. That they are. And so uh, at least one streak continues. Um, and uh, yeah, the performance by Marta, despite, like you said, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, having as many, you know, as much service, uh, you know, put in for the, for the offense. It's still, she, she still was um, on a just individual level. When you look at some of the things she did and, and her ball control and uh, it, it is amazing to watch her and you can see why she's uh, one in a world player of the year so many times. It's, it's, um, it's, if, if you haven't been watching, if you haven't been watching, good grief how many times do we have to tell you to go watch but holy cow um some of the things she does with the ball at her feet are, are absolutely um astounding and and like you said it's it is a, a real pleasure to to watch her uh, play soccer for the pride so alex morgan another goal i believe that's nine goals three assists since her return for uh for the u.s women's national team star and uh, congrats to danny weatherholt on her first uh, professional assist on that play so uh, a one-one draw. It was probably a deserved outcome. I, I thought Seattle played extremely well. Uh, they had a really good game plan, um, and again, the, the Pride were just a little bit lacking sharpness with the final, uh, the final shot or the final product a few times. But uh, and of course, you know, Camilla having to play right back because uh, mm-hmm. there weren't any other right backs available uh, definitely didn't help uh, with the offensive uh, quality. So. Uh, good job by uh, Tom Sermani's crew to go out there and get a decent result. The teams drew both their games this year by 1-1 scores, um, both in Seattle and uh, here in Orlando. And uh, so I guess they're about as evenly matched as you can get. Um, the team has broken up for the international break. We'll talk a little bit about the U.S. women's national team and uh, some of the pride players where they're playing uh, in a little bit. Uh, of course, that game, the Pride versus Rain, was uh, was moved, Dave, to Thursday because of the, the storm coming in, and uh, they wanted to make sure the game could get played and the teams could get out and all the players could get where they needed to go uh, before long before the storm came. A little bit of uh, nervousness on the part of some of the Seattle players on on uh, even on you know Wednesday night, saying that they were a little bit afraid to be in Orlando and were were worried and they didn't feel safe and the NWSL should just postpone the game and. Um, I felt like that was a little weird because, uh, you know, maybe it's just because I've been in Florida since 1999, but um, it was just like, you know, it's this, you're not in any more danger, you know, tomorrow than you were two weeks ago here. It's not a big deal. Is, you know, you have plenty of time to get out of here. Um, but they were uh, they were tweeting about it. And, um, you know, it, uh, it it was strange to me. But eventually, uh, you know, they didn't look very scared during the game. No. And, uh, <laughs> you know. Part of you know one of those uh, players that was was tweeting that was of course uh, Rapino and uh-huh. uh, and you know we're talking about a a, a longtime pro there uh, conspiracy theory uh, Dave says you know maybe she was trying to get that game pushed when uh, we wouldn't have the Australians or the Brazilians there and they could get an easy win. Yeah, that's that's definitely um, you know that would cross my mind a little bit of gamesmanship. Uh, of course, the first person that tweeted out not feeling safe was the player that tied the game in the 94th minute. So uh, maybe you should have been a little bit more afraid, Just Fishlock. I'm just saying. Uh, maybe just maybe if the thunder had hit, like right before that, that cross came in, maybe if there was a, like a big loud thunder boom, maybe that wouldn't have happened and then the pride would have clinched. But uh, uh, it, it is what it is. It's funny, we're talking to Allie Krieger after the game, and she said that cross, she felt it hit her bun, you know, her hair. 
She said if she hadn't cut her hair, maybe that goal wouldn't have happened. <laughs> uh, so uh, if she had a little bit bigger bun, it might have uh, might have been able, enough to just throw that cross off because it was inch perfect cross. It she said like it brushed her it brushed her bun and uh, she felt it, uh, but she couldn't uh, prevent that from reaching uh, Jess Fishlock, unfortunately. So anyway, I'm not, um, any, I'm not taking the blame <laughs> anymore. Then we're gonna we're, we're blaming her hairdresser now. All right. So anyway, we'll we'll. Uh, We'll get into the, the, the specifics of some of the hurricane stuff that happened uh, with our special guest this week uh, from Orlando City Soccer Club. We'll get to that special guest right after this. All right, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, very happy to have with us Jackie Ramos from the Orlando City SC Communications Department. Jackie, how are you? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we really, really appreciate you being on the show in, in such an odd week for everybody. Uh, first of all, let <laughs> me ask you, how did you uh, how did you get through Hurricane Irma? Where were you? How did you how did you do and how did your uh, how did your place survive? Yeah, um, so I live in downtown Orlando um, and I was in my apartment. I just felt like it was the safest place out of anybody that I knew. Um I had a couple of friends with me and was just really watching outside of my windows and, and kind of looking at how the storm was coming through. But I have to say, I think I'm one of the only few people that did not lose power during Irma in Orlando. So I am very happy about that. Um, I've just been kind of playing host to different family members and cousins of mine that live in town. Um, but I am from Naples, Marco Island area, mm-hmm. so I'm more concerned about my family down south. Um, I just got an update that schools are closed through September 18th uh, down there. So mainly I've just been paying attention to them and keeping people that evacuated up to date on things that I've been hearing. So mm-hmm. um, I have to say I, I had a fairly decent experience through this. <laughs> Good. I, I um I definitely wanted, I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad uh, everything went well. I wanted to have you on this week to kind of get your take on, you know, with this thing approaching, I'm sure you guys had discussions on what was going to happen with the, obviously the the MLS team was out of town and and you had uh, no way to get them back. So there had to be arrangements made there. And, and, you know, I wanted to get a sense of, of what you guys did as a club to, to prepare for this in terms of, you know, making sure that the, the pride and OCB players were all accounted for and, and um, that all the arrangements, proper arrangements were made and how you, how you kept in, in touch uh, with everything. Yeah. Um, first of all, I have to say that the city of Orlando and just the police department and all of those communication folks did such a good job um, over communicating before and after the, the hurricane came through. Um, with everyone, they actually have a group chat, like email chat with all of the different PR uh, people for, you know, Disney, SeaWorld, City of Orlando, and they were constantly communicating updates. And that was really helpful because we were able to relay that to our soccer department and kind of help them get prepared for this. So, I mean, leading leading into the weekend, we were already making different arrangements to the training schedules and making sure that Orlando City, specifically, since they were leaving town, that they were able to have a day off to, you know, prepare their families and all of those different things. So, um, first city specifically, since they were heading to D.C., a lot of them flew their families up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them had their families in D.C. Uh, I think only seven Pride players stayed in town. And for OCB, it was kind of half and half. 
Um, but we were just constantly communicating back and forth with them and, and kind of giving them the time that they needed to prepare um, and just doing the same thing across the front office. So um, obviously there were the challenges of this week were, uh, were different than in the usual ones. Um, now uh, your title, I believe is senior director of communications. And can you tell our listeners what exactly you do? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if I were to do a little elevator speech on exactly what I do, I am the middle person between the general public and our organization. So basically anyone that wants to speak or interview or get a hold of any of our players, senior staff, our majority owner, they have to come through our team and we will help coordinate. Um, we also help our team internally deliver any messages that they want to say. So if there's any major announcements, if there's any player transactions, all, my team handles all of that. Um, we also manage the team's training schedules from a communications perspective. So we're the ones that coordinate um, when we're going to do availabilities every single day, what players are available, um, and just kind of manage all of that both internally and then externally as well. So um, even like, for example, our internal broadcast departments or anything like that, they have to kind of work through us to just help. And really we do that because it's a, it can be a lot of people for the players and it kind of helps them understand that they have one or two go-to people that are going to come at them with requests. So a lot of it is time management and people management and obviously um, coordinating announcements the right way. Jackie, I know uh, we're recording That was more this. than an elevator speech, but I <laughs> hope that was good. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you're on the elevator a long time. So. <laughs> you know. um, Jackie, the, the, I think we're recording this on Tuesday night. I think a lot of people would like to know, uh, although you may not have uh, all of the data and all of the assessments done, how the facilities uh, stood up, the, not only the stadium, but the club offices, the practice facilities and all of that. Yeah, so I, since I live downtown, I actually was able to uh, sneak out and go check out the stadium, even though it was on curfew. <laughs> um, but the, the stadium had a little bit of structural damage. Honestly, nothing nothing major, um, which is, is fantastic news for us. Just a lot of like maybe banners blown out and little things like that. But the, the stadium is doing great. Um, the training facility did lose power and did have some structural damage on the outside mainly just uh, trees down, but it fared pretty well as well. Um, the biggest thing for our front office is that the offices still remain closed because there are too many people without power. Um, so we're actually closed for tomorrow as well and probably likely looking at opening on Thursday. Wow. So, yeah, challenges indeed. Um and once uh, once you guys get back, about how long do you think it's going to take to you know between everybody's personal things? How long is it going to take for everybody to get back up and running and into the uh, the swing of things uh, in your office? I I say we give it a whole week um, for everything to kind of really feel normal. It's it's a lot of um, streets that have trees down and people that can't access roadways or are thinking about relatives in other different locations. So. I say we give it about another week. Um, I actually went through Hurricane Andrew as well, even though I was probably four or five years old. Um, and I was in Naples and Miami area for that. And I actually remember not having school for three weeks and having to make up those days in the summer. So 
I, I think us here in Orlando with the storm, we're definitely luckier that it didn't hit us as a Category 5 like it did in some of the Caribbean areas. Um, and we're just fortunate that maybe we'll t- take us a, a couple of days to get back to normal, but I don't think it'll be a crazy amount of time. Yeah, I think a lot of us were, were very lucky here in, uh, in Central Florida. Jackie, one of the things that I think it was communicated well, but I think there are a lot of fans that maybe uh, were, were you know busy preparing for the storm and they maybe uh, missed the news or maybe they're just not you know online people. They don't maybe uh, do as much reading or research. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that happened was, you know, obviously you guys had to be aware of the fact that your broadcasters are here in Orlando. And um, so the, the, the broadcast on Saturday night of the game at DC United was, uh, you know, people were like, well, where's Jeff Radcliffe? But it was the DC United, <laughs> DC United folks there. Um, what went into um, that decision and, and uh, being able to get TV 27 to pick up the DC feed? Yeah, no, absolutely. We just made that decision very last minute. It's something we were talking about over the last few days. And then once the reality, we were facing the reality that the hurricane was going to possibly come towards central Florida, we just decided we don't want any of those guys on the road. Um, We don't want anyone working or taking their, their focus away from what they should have been doing, which is preparing their homes, preparing to make sure they can, you know, live with a couple of days of no power should that would have happened. So um, about 24 hours before the game, we just decided, let's just not do this. Um, it was a very easy conversation to have with our team over at TV27. Um, they were very understanding in that fact. So we traveled as few people as we could from the communication side um, and made sure that those guys and girls uh, were safe. Now, speaking of traveling, of course, the uh, the team uh, – I left DC and uh, went to Atlanta. You know, how uh, how is their their schedule? Um, you know, been this week uh, with everything that's going on uh, in preparation for the the game Saturday. Yeah, it was pretty crazy for the team. We were able to get them out of town early enough, which was good on Friday, and then obviously they had the game. And then the the team, we didn't really know what to expect or around what time this hurricane was supposed to come in. So they wanted to try to get as close as possible to Florida in case they can make an easy decision to go home, whether it be via road or, or book some flight. So um, once they, we felt like it was safe for the team to come back, uh, we, we decided to let them come back in town. And they actually drove into Orlando tonight. Um, mm. I believe they're actually arriving right around now because it's too difficult to try to get a flight for 40 people 24 hours before departing so um it's been a little bit of a crazy day i think for the players and just a little bit of a crazy time thankfully a lot of them have their families with them i think that's helpful they don't have to be nervous Mm -hmm. we have a lot of people on the team a lot of guys that are not from florida and i think the idea of a hurricane is super scary i mean it is scary anyway but they've never even been through like really horrible thunderstorms for example so i think um through the whole process they're just happy to to have their families with them so they just like bust in from atlanta then uh, on tuesday correct yeah okay um so the the storm itself obviously uh, everybody wrote it out their their own way. I know Allie Krieger uh, tweeted out that she spent the night in her closet. Uh, she kind of bunkered <laughs> yeah, she in. she lost power. <laughs> did you have, did, were there any other, uh, any other storm stories from the, the team that, that stuck out to you? 
<laughs> we haven't really been able to like see them in person to ask some of these questions. Um, I'm, I'm sure we'll hear some super dramatic stories on, on how people were dealing with the storms. Um, I'm from Florida. So for, so to me, it was, it, it sounds crazy to say, but it's almost interesting to really witness and be part of something in mother nature like that. But um, I'm sure people outside of the state, this was a pretty crazy experience and we'll figure all of this out once we get to training. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, of course, I'm not even a native Floridian, but, uh, you know, the joke is, is that uh, we look at a hurricane, we're like, bring it on, you know, and uh, obviously it's, <laughs> it's going to be different for those that, uh, that you know, don't uh, have that experience. Um, the, Absolutely. Uh, like I said, most of our pride players left. We had seven, about seven players stay. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and uh, so... Who uh, uh, who on the team do you think was the most prepared for uh, for the hurricane? <laughs> um, from the ones that stayed, let me see. I don't know. I would have loved, if I had to hunker down, I would have loved to be with Tony because I'm pretty sure she had some great snacks. Um, <laughs> I believe her and Jamia Field stayed together uh, in, that, in, in their home. So I, I would put that group as probably the most prepared. Yeah, and a, you know, a lot of the younger guys uh, from from OCB are probably are, are from the area, so uh, that's a good thing. Uh, Jackie, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk to you about something that, you know, I, you know, that I was a um, was in a communications department for a, a you know a major league uh, sports franchise down in in South Florida. But one of the things we don't like is when we have to do things that, you know, there's there's bad news for the club and we have to go do things. Something that you probably didn't expect to do this year was to go to the jail to pick up a couple of players. Uh, I just want to get your, you know, your take on how that was for you and, and, and um, you, you know, just how you went through that and got through it in terms of, of doing your job and, and, and um, you know, keeping, you know, keeping, uh, I guess, uh an eye on the on the bright side of things yeah no absolutely um i think to your to what you said earlier it's obviously part of my job to figure out and and be there and and deal with those situations it's never easy i think the the best thing that we can do and we have been is we really over communicate with each other we really over communicate with our leadership group with our ceo with our majority owner and just kind of make sure that everyone that needs to be in the loop is kind of aware of what's going on. Um, in terms of me and obviously being there or, or picking someone up, which not ideal, obviously that that's just kind of part of the job. Mm-hmm. My, my job is to represent this organization and it's also to care for the players. We, we deal with them every single day of our lives. Um, and to us, it's, it's more than a job. And I, I think all Orlando city fans can say that we get so attached to our team. So, I just look at the situation and want to make sure that whatever is happening, that we're, we're just able to take care of people and also just provide the right information. Um, we, in the organization, we're always honest. We're honest with what we say. We're honest with the information that we deliver. As a PR professional, it's kind of my job. It's my job to just be honest and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what we do. We don't get sidetracked. We don't look at what people are talking about. We just kind of focus on what we need to get through. Um, and we're helpful both to anyone within our organization and helpful to people that ask us information. So 
it's never easy, but it's definitely been experiences, I think, for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've been kind of doom and gloom uh, because of the, the hurricane. Um, what is your favorite part of your job? What do you, what, what is it that, that brings you joy in your job? Um, I think it's two things, right? First, I love the travel. Uh, I do travel with teams and I, before I joined Orlando city, I was with NASCAR communications as well for a couple of years. And I have to say that I have toured this, this the U S I've gone to Mexico, I've gone to Canada all just from different work trips, and it's been such an amazing experience. And then second, I would probably say I love doing entertainment PR and sports PR um, because I, I don't need to deal with, you know, I'm not doing heart surgery here, right? <laughs> it's, I always say that, like, sports is the ultimate form of reality. There's a beginning, there's an end, there's season one, there's season two, there's season three, there's so much going on. And you can have jo- uh, fun while you're going to work and you can be entertained with the stories that you're telling. It's not just um, cutthroat, like healthcare, for example. Um, it keeps it interesting. I love the fact that I can come into work one day and think I'm going to have such a super easy day. I'm going to go spend four hours at training. I'm going to have lunch and come back into the office for a few hours. And the next thing you know, I'll get an email saying, hey, we're going to announce this new player transaction or this new trade. And next thing you know, it like totally turns your day upside down. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what I'm talking about is entertaining and entertainment. Um, and then also, I love the fact that I can change what I, what I do on a daily basis. I can go from training to dealing with um, announcing a really cool corporate partnership or, or working on a different campaign. So it keeps it interesting for me. Jackie, before we let you go, just want to uh, to ask one more question in terms of the preparation for the, the storm that came through. Uh, one of the things you guys had to do was to scramble to put together a, a an OCB Pride doubleheader last Thursday. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I wondered, you know, kind of because uh, we saw some tweets go out from the Seattle Rain players uh, who were obviously not used to hurricanes coming and, and mm-hmm. maybe uh, didn't feel quite safe. Was any of that communicated to you guys? And, and if so, how did you how did you handle that in, in uh, assuring everybody that, you know, you had time to safely get the game in and get everybody out of town before the, long before the storm was uh, arriving? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we understand the concerns. It is scary. If someone told me I was going to California when they were expecting an earthquake, I think I'd be pretty scared, too. Um, but the players communicating is, is one thing. And, and what I, I hope that they all understand as a whole is that there is such a large group of people that are behind planning their games, that are behind planning what they do, that are behind planning what they eat. These players have a network of people behind them. So while they may think it's crazy that this is being scheduled, I guarantee that there was a big group from NWSL. There was a group from our internal team that were all on calls, that were all updating each other on a on an hourly basis almost, and that are making decisions that keep the team safe. Um, so it's okay that everyone is is free to express themselves, but they're not alone. It's not just one person making a decision. It's a really informed group of people making the decision. All right, uh, Jackie Ramos, the Senior Director of Communications for Orlando City SC. Uh, thanks so much for coming on with us and uh, and sharing, you know, a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff about uh, what went into the, the hurricane preparations for the club. Absolutely. Thank you, guys, and I hope you're staying safe as well. 
All right, here we are, Dave, in stoppage time of episode number 103 of the Mainland Podcast. I want to thank Jackie Ramos uh, for coming on the show and telling us all about the hurricane preparations that the club made. That was one of the things that I was a little worried coming into this week. Wasn't sure who would have power, whether or not we'd be able to do a show this week. Uh, you know, who else, who else would have power, who would have internet and that kind of thing. And also, you know, who would be available to, to have on the show because we're on, we're on an incredible run. I don't think a lot of people know this, but we didn't always have guests every week. We had, uh, many, many shows without a guest and we have not missed a single show in 2017. Um, as far as having guests are concerned, we've had a guest for every mainland podcast in 2017. I didn't want that streak to come to an end, Dave. And it didn't. Good job, Michael. <laughs> so uh, thanks to Jackie. Uh, in a very difficult time for staying in touch and uh, filling in and uh, being our guest this week. Uh, Dave, we've got some mail. Before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about the international break for the women. Um, the U.S., of course, uh, Alex Morgan and Ashlyn Harris are a part of the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, for the upcoming friendlies against New Zealand. Uh, a couple friendlies. Hopefully they'll get through it. I, I really like Jill Ellis to not, not even play them. That would be kind of good for me um, <laughs> because we really would like to have them healthy and 100% and rested uh, coming back uh, to play against the Portland Thorns. Um, so, you know, two uh, pride players there. Could have been could have been three. Allie Krieger, still on 98 caps with the U.S., was not called up for these two uh, friendlies. Uh, and then... Three Brazilians and two Australians going all the way down under to play two games against each other as Australia and Brazil have a, a pair of friendlies uh, down in Oz. Uh, so you're looking at uh, Steph Catley and Alana Kennedy, who have been just tremendous this year for the Pride. And, of course, Monica, who has regained a starting center back slot, as well as Camilla, who's been just an unbelievable young player for the Pride, and Marta, who is, uh, you know, that crafty veteran and a world-class player that the team really needed. Um, you know, all of these players uh, going out and playing extra games, you know, it's great to, to represent your country and stuff, but man, does this, this window just seems like it really sucks for, for the NWSL. Well, and not only that, but it's we're we're glad that we have these incredible players on the pride. Uh, but with that comes them playing for uh, their countries, and given uh, the quality of these players, like you know, wishing Jill Ellis to not play Ashlyn Harris and, <laughs> <laughs> and Morgan is kind of. Uh, I, I don't. I, that's a little pie in the sky there. I, I don't think that you're going to get your wish. Um, you know. Yeah, probably uh, not. I, I think probably not. I think uh, Ashlyn will just... play one of the two games, and Alyssa Nair will play the other. Um, so that's so probably so we maybe want her to play the first one. Yeah, can we can we get Ashlyn to play the first game? Jill Ellis generally does the thing that's worse for the Pride whenever she does these things. She <laughs> she either calls them up and doesn't use them so that they could have stayed with the Pride, or um, or she. Uh, calls them up and like puts them on in the 89th minute or something. Um, right. But, uh, or like, you know, cause like the, the, the tournament of nations, you know, Krieger didn't get in any of the games. Um, you know, Morgan basically wasn't used all that much, uh, at, you know, as much as she normally is. 
it was a little bit weird, but um, yeah, it, it's great to have players that are high enough quality that they're representing their countries and stuff. It just uh, for for the NWSL season as it, it heads into its final two weeks, it's just a an international break that just kind of is unfortunate. Yeah, it it throws throws everything off a little bit. Um, you know, you're sitting here and we're we're sitting here talking about you know what the pride have to do to secure that playoff spot, and then you know we've got a couple weeks because we've got a you know, talk about international games, which we're happy to do. We yeah. love watching soccer. We'll watch. We'll watch all the games. That's not a problem. It's just, um, you know, anytime, anytime a, a player goes uh, to play for their country, there's always that risk of, of you know, injury or just being tired or having to fly to Australia um, and being tired because you've got to fly back from Australia. Mm. Um, it's a long flight. So it's a long flight. It's, it's almost literally all the way across the world. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, that, that does prevent, uh, present challenges. Um, but, uh, nothing to do about it. Um, you know, uh, if hopefully they just, they don't get played too much. And, um, especially, you know, given that it's friendlies, um, and, and we get them back, uh, healthy and rested as much as they can be, uh, so that, you know, we can finish this, uh, this playoff run. Can we get Flavio to have a, a have a private plane meet them after right after the second game and fly them directly home? I you know I I would think that he could afford to do that now uh, whether he's going to listen <laughs> to us I mean I'm sure he listens to the podcast so oh sure everybody uh, does yeah yeah of course so you know Flavio if you're if you're listening if you can make that happen for us that would be great yeah that'd be awesome uh, but yeah it's a uh, it's uh, so. You know, we'll cover the games here uh, with the podcast and at the mainland, and we'll let you know what everybody's doing. But, um, you know, it's a it's a crucial time for the Pride, and um, that game against Portland is, is very, very big uh, for Orlando. Again, the Pride, uh, the Portland has, has clinched. I'm not sure how focused they are on maybe winning the Shield. Maybe uh, they'll give some players a rest, uh, you know, the Tobin Heaths and the, the Lindsey mm-hmm. Harans and that kind of thing. Although... You know, both both Tobin Heath and Lindsey Horan will be part of this U.S. setup as well. So, um, you know, they'll come back just as just uh, having just as much or just as little rest uh, as uh, as uh, Harris and Morgan. So there's at least that. But, um, you know, they don't have all the Australians and Brazilians that we do. So uh, it, so it's definitely an advantage for Portland in that in that sense. But uh, hopefully uh, nothing major will go wrong and we'll get everybody back and and. You know, give them a five-hour energy right before the game, and <laughs> not a, not a sponsor, by the way. Uh, and uh, you know, get the get the get the win against Portland and get this thing clinched. Davis, now, of course, I'm sure five-hour energy is listening, and if you are, we we would certainly be open to you sponsoring the podcast. Yeah, yeah. please contact us uh, at uh, the mainland uh, at gmail.com. By the way, that's also where you can send your mailbag questions, and uh, you can tweet us. At the mainland is our Twitter, and use the uh, hashtag AskTMLPC. And we've got a few questions, Dave, this week. Only a few, and they're all from the same person. So, it's, uh, well, to be fair, there was a hurricane. So there was yeah. a hurricane. So very few people still, you know, are are, are back into their full swing. And uh, you know, many people don't either have internet or electricity, or just have bigger problems. And as they try to clear their roofs and uh, of debris and their yards of debris and stuff like that. So, uh, Hector Manley on Twitter has uh, hit us up with some questions. Uh, first one is if 
We lose at Atlanta and our playoff hopes disappear even more. Can we expect a lot of OCB or fringe Orlando City players to play the rest of the season? What do you think, David Rowe? Um, I would, you know, my, my initial impression on that is is not really. We may see a little bit, but uh, uh, I think that uh, Jason would rather take the time and, and working with those that he's he's got on the MLS squad and, and trying to uh, build that towards uh, next year. Even, even if you want to look at it this way, evaluating who he has and, you know, maybe who he keeps and who he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, it's not to say that, you know, maybe Earl Edwards Jr. gets to, to play instead of, you know, Joe Bendick for a game or something like that. Uh, although I, I have the feeling that Joe would, you know, Joe's going to want to play if Joe's healthy. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and given that he's played every minute of every game since he's gotten here, um, that would be a that would almost be an odd uh, substitution. Um, but no, I, I think uh, I think uh, Jason's going to want to, um, you know, continue to evaluate uh, what he's got, you know, going into the offseason. So, you know, my initial impression is, you know, you might see the odd player here or there, but I don't think we'll see a bunch. Yeah, Hector, my feeling is that we're probably going to see um, a little bit of. You know, maybe you might see like Redding one game, Pereira another game as uh, as some guys get a look to see if, um, you know, over just the last few games to see maybe where one is as opposed to the other. Um, Jose Aja might be back in the lineup uh, when he's done with his suspension um, and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't think you're going to see what we'd really all kind of like to see, and that's a start from Pierre de Silva. Uh, just mm-hmm. to see how he would fare over 90 minutes in, a, in a, an MLS game. You know, some guys are really good at the, the level below and they can't quite make the leap right away. Other guys can step right in and it's like it's like the lower level was holding them back. I mean, you see this all the time in baseball where a guy is, you know, tearing up, a, you know, maybe tearing up a triple A a little bit uh, and then he gets called up and he doesn't miss a beat. And it's like almost like, well, he was playing mm-hmm. at triple A level and now he's actually uh, able to, you know, combine with, with other players and, and he's still seeing the pitches better, but maybe the ballparks are giving him better visibility and he's even, you know, even better than he was and that kind of thing. So it's hard to say. I would really like to see Pierre get a game. I don't think you'll see him get more than one. Uh, I think the more likely candidate is if he's uh, able to get that hamstring uh, healthy as maybe Richie Larea gets a start maybe. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to figure out pretty soon what's going to happen with Earl, though. I think we're going to see either Earl uh, maybe go back down and uh, get OCB, uh, you know, make sure OCB gets to the playoffs and, and see how far they can go. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you may see him get a game uh, before the end of the season and give Joe a rest. It's kind of hard to say, but, um, you know, Jason Christ is a coach that kind of likes to play his veterans and uh, he's comfortable with his veterans. He kind of doesn't like surprises. And so he, he kind of goes with the known quantities sometimes, but uh, that is not to say that he never plays young guys. I mean, I was really surprised to see how many times that Larea came in off the bench this year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it was nice to see, but uh, you know, I, I guess the long answer that I'm, that I'm, giving you is that I don't know that you're going to see a lot of it, but you might see a little. So that's where I'm at with that. So uh, Hector's next question, Dave, is what will be our biggest focus of need in the offseason? We kind of addressed this before, but let's uh, let's do it again here. Yeah. um, So um, once again, I'll go back to, you know, um, 
what we had answered before, and and for me, it's uh, it's midfield, midfield, midfield. Um, although, um, uh, with the 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 added um, uh, needing another center back or deciding um, that you know Tommy is is going to be that guy. Um, but uh, the additions of, of uh, Yotun and Powers uh, certainly helps. But um, I'd, I'd really like to see a uh, another attacking midfielder. And then once again, that goes back to uh, will Kaká be around? Right. So um, you know, there's there's a ton of questions um, surrounding the midfield, hinging on uh, what happens with Kaká. Um, but uh, yeah, I, for me, it's it's uh, mainly going to be. Um, uh, the midfield with that one little, you know, potential center back uh, a need. Yeah, that's really the big question is what's going on with Kaká. And that's, uh, you know, I guess my biggest focus is getting Yoshi Yotun's right footed twin brother um, <laughs> on the right side of the diamond. Uh, but yeah, a, a, a midfielder that's going to make everyone around him better the way that kind of we've seen a little bit from Yoshi Yotun. We've seen it uh, on other teams, guys like Piatti, guys like uh, Almiron. Mm-hmm. Um you know, an Alessandrini uh, out in L.A. and a Lodero up in uh, Seattle. Those kinds of guys who are going to make the offense go because they're going to put the ball uh, in the exact right spot where the strikers need them at the exact right time. They can anticipate those runs. Uh, they're not delaying and getting their passes cut out, that kind of thing. Uh, those, those are the kind of midfielders that are now needed to win in this league. And I think that Orlando City... Uh, got a good one in Yoshi, but I think they need one more, and I, I think that's going to have to be somebody that takes uh, the place of, of the Brazilian, really, because uh, mm-hmm. I, I think this is also a league where speed matters, and I, I don't think you're you're seeing Kaká get to those balls that he used to get to um, or clear those defenders he used to clear. So as, as cagey as he is and as, as skilled as he is and as good as his soccer IQ is, uh, I don't know that Kaká is, is the answer moving forward for this team. So... Uh, I think there's your one uh, big off-season focus. I think you still need some striker depth because I don't think it's quite where uh, we need it to be if we're going to play two strikers. And uh, that second center back, I would I would really like to see a second veteran back there with, with Spectre, and that's somebody that can be um, starting material, and then you can give Spectre a rest and play one of the young guys with him, or you can give the, the new veteran arrest and get play one of the young guys with specter you have some depth you have some ability to uh rotate the squad without losing quality that's kind of what this team needs so those mm-hmm. are the those are the focuses i think of the off season and i think what you'll see is i think you're going to see the team get a little bit younger going into next season in some key roles and uh, and adding some more speed i think that's what's that's, that's going to help the team get more width it's going to help the team uh, deal with those uh, lightning fast counters that that the 442 is susceptible to and um, i think that's what we'll see hector asks also dave can we expect will johnson to be on the team next year he hopes so and uh, also how is his process 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 uh, you know, I've spent so many years amongst Canadians when I was working in hockey. I, I just want to say process, but it's process. How is the process going, Dave? Um, well, uh, are we going to see him? I think, you know, we, we've talked about this last week. Uh, we, we both agree that uh, we don't, you know, barring um, some kind of just absolute exoneration, uh, we don't anticipate Will uh, joining the team, um, which 
you know, with his quality on the field, uh, obviously we will miss that. Um, but it's it's uh, it, off the field can can change everything in a heartbeat. Um, so as far as what's going on with the the process, that I will defer to you. I haven't <laughs> looked. To be honest, uh, you know, we had, you know, bigger concerns with hurricanes and things like that. And uh, since he wasn't going to be seeing the field, um, you know, I, I kind of had, you know, shuttled that over to the side a, a bit. Obviously, if he um, uh, if he remains, he's going to have to go through the uh, the league's um, uh, what did they call it? the rehab thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, but that's that's depending on if he even ends up staying. So I, I think we're, uh, unless you know something else, I think we're still kind of a wait and see as far as what's going on with that. Well, the process, I think, Hector, right now, is that the, the league and the team uh, do their investigation. Uh, the league has to put Will through their mandatory program, the, uh, the substance abuse and behavioral health program um, that Kyle Laren had to go through. Uh, but I don't think this is going to be a quick turnaround like Kyle's. Uh, I think this uh, is a much more serious issue, and I think that the, the league takes this a lot more seriously uh, than a DUI arrest. So I think this is – I would be very surprised if if there's any kind of a no contest or guilty verdict. I would be surprised to see Will Johnson ever back in purple again, and I would be absolutely shocked to see him in purple this year. So mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see him this year, and, and I really don't – expect that we'll see him again again i just mentioned that we're probably going to get younger uh will is getting up there a little bit um he's not as old as some of our midfielders but he's uh you know i think it's fair to say he's lost a step from earlier in his career and um i I think that we can get more value in that spot as a starter uh although i thought will was a pretty good on the field leader uh this is the kind of thing that his arrest can undermine that kind of thing um i don't think that there's a lot of tolerance for that kind of thing amongst um you know people most people in the locker room that he's going to be sharing that with so again unless like dave said he's completely exonerated and it turns out that you know that everything was you know some of the stuff in the police report was kind of fabricated or overblown um i I just don't think we see will johnson back next year but uh uh, i will say that stranger things have happened so (laughs) who knows i i just don't expect it no, definitely not. Uh, so it's uh, unfortunately, um, I, I, it doesn't look good for Will. And uh, that, uh, of course, you know, the previous question when we asked about, uh, you know, addressing the needs. Well, that's one of those midfield needs. Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, there's there's if you're going to play a 4-4-2, you need four pretty dynamic midfielders uh, in today's MLS. And I think we have. I think Krishna Gita can play that six role and do it in a dynamic way. I think there's still a lot of room for him to grow as a player. I don't think he's reached, mm-hmm. reached that ceiling yet. I think he's got a really, really high ceiling. Um, and I just don't think that he's been utilized much this year in the way that suits his skill set. And I think that when you've seen him used in the way that suits his skill set, he's played some of his best soccer of the year. So I, I think Christian is a young kid that can – hold down that defensive midfield in the 4-4-2. I think you're going to have Yoshi on the left side. I think you might have a new player uh, on the right and up top. So um, 
and maybe even Dylan Powers on the right side and then someone new up top. It's it's kind of remains to be seen. I think we'll see, uh, going back to that second question, I think we'll see a little bit more of Dylan Powers going forward if the, the team is eliminated just to see what we have in him. But, uh, um, yeah, it's the midfield needs to be more, more dynamic. It's not good enough. It's the biggest area of concern of the team. I know everybody likes to bag on the back line, but if the back line's not put in jeopardy, they're not leaking goals. So uh, the midfield needs to stop getting overrun and uh, – turning the ball over and that kind of thing. So uh, we want midfielders, <laughs> I think is what we're saying. And we want them now. Yeah. So thanks, Hector, for all of those questions. We appreciate that. Uh, hopefully next year or next next year and maybe next week we'll get uh, a few more people getting their power back on and, and chipping in some questions for Ask the Mainland podcast. Uh, you could do that on Twitter. At the Mainland is our Twitter account. And uh, you can just hit us up with that hashtag. Uh, hashtag AskTMLPC. You can email us, themainland at gmail.com, and ask your questions. It doesn't have to be about soccer. can be. doesn't have to be. Dave, before we get out of here, we've got a big game on Saturday. Yes, we do. Um, and, of course, I mean OCB at St. Louis FC. No, wait, no. Uh, <laughs> OCB at St. Louis is a, is a big game for the for the young Lions. Hopefully, they'll they'll go out there and get a, get a victory on the road. But... Uh, Orlando City continues the road trip. It started at New England, went to D.C., now Atlanta. Uh, this is one of those proverbial six-point games, Dave. The um, the real opportunity to stay in this race uh, is Saturday. Basically, you get a win Saturday. You have every really every right to think that you could jump back above that line. You lose it, mm-hmm. and you really probably can't expect enough teams to fall apart and you to get enough points to, uh, to get back above that line. It's really kind of the make or break game uh, now. And, and even if they win that game, every game beyond that is another make or break game. So um, that's the point where you, you are this late in the season when you're below the line. And um, although that win at DC was nice, uh, it's not going to be easy this week. Uh, we've already talked about Seb Hines getting sent off. Perhaps you get Jonathan Spector back, so maybe you're not hurting there. Chris Nagita, though, got hurt. We don't know the status yet of what whether or not he'll be available. I think anytime a player gets hurt and has to leave the pitch, uh, you can probably assume they're not going to play in the next game unless mm-hmm. there's some kind of miraculous recovery. Um, you know, contusion, something like that, you can you can uh, shake off after a few days. But um, you know, sprains and strains are very very hard to come back from in just a week, especially a week where you're uh, not able to come home for a few days because of a hurricane. And uh, so you may not have Higita. You're not going to have Hines. You're not going to have Kaká because he got yellow card accumulation now after he got uh, booked late in that game. Still don't have uh, Jose Aja, who had a uh, yellow card accumulation and red card suspension. So a two-game suspension for him. This will be the second game of that. Uh, of course, Will Johnson still suspended by the league. Dave, not a lot of bodies. Um, we did have, no. a, did have a story on the site today about what we – might see in terms of a uh, lineup for Orlando City. Um, and uh, I, ju- I guess I just got to get your key matchups and predictions for a really big matchup with Atlanta United uh, and to try to avoid going winless against this expansion team in our uh, first year of uh, meeting them. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it's at Atlanta, and, and it's going to be a, a playoff-type uh, um 
atmosphere there because uh you know we're trying to climb back into it they're trying to stay in it uh so it's 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 going to be a hard road to uh to to go down um like we said especially with so many uh players unavailable um if we get specter back i feel a little better um you know uh if if obviously the back line you're gonna have uh Toya and Setter out there just like they usually are. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, if Spectre's back uh, and, and you know, playing back to, you know, the level that we expect from him um, and you have Tommy Redding out there, I think that that's – we're going to – obviously we need to score goals, but um, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, Kyle – got that goal and so maybe it breaks it loose for him dom's got to score at some point um so i I feel a little bit better there especially with um since kaka's out you know that giles is going to be uh starting at that 10 and and yoshi's going to continue to um uh, to do what he does so i I feel a little bit better about the attack um where we're going to have to you know shore things up is going to be in in the defense um especially um you know with atlanta uh having um uh uh, Hector uh, Valal, I, I never can say his name right. The Alba. The Alba, uh, and then um, Almiron. Um, you know their their attack is 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 quite potent. So um, for me, it's is how does the uh, the defense uh, hold up against uh, Atlanta? Can can they keep them off the uh, off the scoreboard? Uh, if they can, I think we can maybe squeak out something. But that's that's going to be um, that's going to be the key. Uh, for me, uh, as far as a prediction, um, it's a heart versus uh, a head thing. Um, so it's late in the season, and and since I didn't get to make the uh, the dumb and dumber joke, I'm, I'm going to go with the uh, the heart, and I'm going to say um, we have another two-one win, and this one doesn't take uh, 118,000 minutes to to get done. <laughs> uh, I'm going to agree with you on the key matchups. I think the keeping Martinez and Vijalba and Assad and uh, Almiron quiet is very difficult, especially at their place. The, the thing that really they do well that you just don't see in this league is the dummies, is the, the perfect positioning to where one guy knows he could just let the ball go and his, his teammate's going to get onto it. You don't see that really with anyone else. Uh, it's it's very impressive and it's very scary from a from a defensive standpoint. And when you're dealing with um, you know a, a veteran center back who's seen a lot of it but has been out of action and is uh, you know going to be hard pressed to play 90 minutes uh, at a high level and a and a kid, uh, regardless of which kid that Specter plays with, if it, if indeed it is Specter getting the start. Um, it really is a difficult proposition to try to keep that team off the board. Um, that's the key matchup. Keeping them off the board is going to be difficult. We're going to need the Joe Bendick that gets saved a week to win this game or to even get mm-hmm. a result in this game. Um, and we might need two or three candidates for save of the week yeah. uh, to get there. So um, my my I guess my prediction is going to be – 2-1 Atlanta and Vialvo scores in the 90th minute. Um, right. It's uh, just because that's the way that the the trend has been, and I'm I'm really hoping that I'm wrong, and I really hope that my my half-hearted uh, my light-hearted uh, prediction on Twitter 
when I said the other day that I was really excited about uh, beginning the seven-game winning streak to end the season. Uh, really hoping that stays intact and we get to <laughs> get to celebrate another one. But uh, we we shall see. It's um, you know it was a very emotional game for Atlanta last week, so maybe they'll come down a little bit from that. Um, they're certainly going to feel confident. Will they feel overconfident? Maybe being at home and uh, you know knowing that we're coming in without uh, having a, a lot of good results this summer. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a team that takes anybody lightly. It seems like a team that's pretty well prepared. And um, you know, it's it's uh, kind of a shame actually because uh, I don't but, like I don't like them. Yeah, no, we <laughs> we, we definitely don't like them. And uh, but. Uh, as you've said a couple times uh, during this podcast, stranger things happen. So, yes. uh, and I can't wait. I, and I can't wait for Stranger Things uh, Part Two to happen. Actually, uh, the second season uh, on, on Netflix because I'm I really like that show. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens and uh, hopefully um, hopefully the the Lions will will surprise us as they did in Washington. I was not expecting uh, what we saw the first half of that game and and uh, certainly once the adversity hit i wasn't expecting them to be able to preserve that lead and they actually did so uh they do still have the ability to surprise these lions and it's nice to see that at this point in the season um dave before we get out of here i have um a final ask the mainland podcast question for you and i'll oh, be happy okay. happy to answer in in response to uh since we didn't get a lot of a lot of questions i want i just want to know how did you really spend your time uh in the tedious hours of uh of sunday night uh, sat, you know saturday night sunday night monday uh while you're waiting for the hurricane to both arrive and then pass through well as i said since i never lost power or internet or anything like that i watched movies i played some playstation i uh watched the uh cowboys beat uh the giants which is always a fun time and um uh had uh had plenty of uh of whiskey and rum and beer around, uh, which is what we do. Uh, we, we Floridians do during a hurricane is, you know, that last stop is always at the, uh, uh, <laughs> always at the liquor store. So, um, I also fortunately had one of my older sons come out and, uh, come over and hang out with me. So that was nice, but, uh, yeah, it was, I, it was basically like a little mini vacation. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think that's what the, you know what local law enforcement wants is for you to go drink as much as you can during these storms. <laughs> I think that I think that's their highest recommendation. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. It, it was um, a little bit fatiguing to to deal with the you know just watching the news and watching the, the the storm approach and getting the latest track every three hours and that kind of thing. It can get it can get a little much. So I Netflixed the hell out of my weekend. Um, I was able to. Uh, basically finish off the Marvel hero universe, uh, Marvel comics universe, uh, finishing off Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist, and the Defenders all in, over the, the last few days. So Excellent. I was able to get all caught up with that. I know a lot of people don't like the, didn't like, didn't care for Iron Fist, but I didn't really have too much of a problem with them, at least in the early going of the season. It was a little bit more tedious late in the season when this supposedly Zen dude who's been raised by monks is suddenly like, 
pissed off all the time and won't listen to anybody and is like yelling, "I ah, don't tell me to be calm." <laughs> no, like, you know. but they actually they actually <laughs> did explain that that he he had basically had been repressing his emotions into a little black ball of you know whatever, and that's what they told him to do at the at the monastery. So yeah, you know, yeah. well you know, and what's what's his name? Uh, Bakudo ta- taught him how to reset his chi, and then all of a sudden he couldn't reset his chi anymore, and it was kind of annoying. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it's like, wait a minute, didn't didn't this guy just show you what to do when that happened? Right. Uh, now I a... do have one uh, uh, hurricane uh, uh, preparation hint for uh, uh, you in particular because I know you like uh, I have uh, plenty of growlers. Um, if if you're not filling the growlers with beer for the hurricane, uh, they make a great uh, way to have water. Yeah available rather than going out and, and buying bottled water. And if you have as many growlers as I do, which is a lot, um, I had four 64 ounce and eight 32 ounce growlers filled with water. So I was good if anything happened just mm-hmm. from growler fills of water. Yeah. You don't want to be stuck doing the whole boiled water thing. Like a lot of our, probably a lot of our listeners and certainly a lot of our mainland readers are having to do right now. And we do the same thing. We like, if we have pitchers, pots, pans, whatever it takes, we fill that stuff mm-hmm. with water. That way we've got water that we know is drinkable uh, right off the bat, or we can use it to cook or we can give it to the cats, uh, you know, whatever, if we, without having to boil a ton of water, we also filled a bunch of uh, Ziploc bags and threw them in the freezer. Uh, so that right. was, uh, it was another, another, well, there's a lot of cool little trip tricks that you can do, which hopefully won't anybody, uh, in our, our area won't need the rest of the hurricane season. Hopefully we'll have a nice quiet, uh, hurricane season, even though there's other storms out there. And it does remind me that a lot of, uh, breweries, um, both in Orlando and I know in Tallahassee and I would imagine other places, um, uh, offered up, uh, to fill water. Uh, for anybody for free. Yeah, um, filtered water. And of course water. they've got yeah. filtered water, right, because they've got these you know, huge tanks for making uh, the beer, and, and when they make the beer, they try and get the best water they can. So, um, you know, kudos to a lot of the breweries uh, who, who did that around the state. And um, uh, it's, uh, if, if, you, if you don't support your local breweries, if, you're, if you drink beer like Michael and I do and you don't support your local breweries, well, shame on you, um, <laughs> because they're, they're generally speaking um, – Almost every single one of them is bearded, because uh, brewers simply have beers, uh, beards, and then uh, they also are—they're just fantastic, lovely people most of the time. I mean, you have to be to to, to do that job. So uh, you know, uh, go out and, and and thank a brewer. Yeah, I know 1010 and the uh, the Broken Strings uh, uh, Black Cauldron folks were were doing those uh, growler fills with water. So. Uh, yeah, you definitely hit up your your local brewery if you if you you know can't get out to the store early and everybody's out of water. Uh, you could definitely go get some growlers filled and uh, or other containers even they were filling, um, mm-hmm. you know, to help people out, which is it's, it's really awesome. It's a very good sense of community and um, you know there's really nobody that gives that, that cares more about their community than you know, local artisans. And that's what the, these craft brewers are. They're local artisans and, um, you know, local businesses. So uh, they are they are invested in your well-being so that they uh, don't lose more customers uh, to the storm. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So that'll do it for episode number 103 of the Mainland Podcast. Dave, we'll be back next week to discuss Orlando City at Atlanta United. We'll talk a little bit of OCB at St. Louis FC. Uh, we'll have, of course, the U.S. Women's National Team 
uh, against New Zealand and a pair of friendlies to discuss. We'll have, uh, uh, I don't know, we'll probably talk a little bit about Brazil and Australia, their friendlies and how those things went. And um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, glad everybody made it. Hopefully by next week, everybody's power will be back on. Everybody's internet will be back on. Uh, everybody's cell service will be back on. <laughs> uh, everybody will have drinkable water and not have to boil anything. Uh, we're really hoping that everybody gets back up and running as quickly as humanly possible. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about trivial things like soccer and, uh, you know, break all of that down. And as we, as we roll on through this 2017 season. Uh, so uh, we'll wrap up number 103 on behalf of David Rowe. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of the mainland.com asking you to please uh, read our stuff online and, uh, we uh, we didn't have a five star review to read for you this week because I was too lazy to, to look one up, uh, but uh, we'll do that next week. Give us a, a review on iTunes. Five star reviews will be read on the air if you leave uh, leave a note uh, or comments, and uh, we'll do that. And uh, of course, uh, you can uh, subscribe to us on there or uh, through Google Play or whatever whatever you use. Blog Talk Radio. And uh, please uh, like us on uh, the Facebooks and uh, follow us on the Twitters and all of that good stuff. So I think that's about enough of the advertising. And uh, I will sign off now, as I always do, by saying, please continue to go city.